0: We're going to continue in the series of biblical life lessons today. Now, we've had a lot of lessons about different things here. We, d- we, did, one on, uh, we did one on men, and we did one on women, and we did one on marriage. Yeah. Um, and we have husbands and wives here today, right? So you survive those two. Right? <laughs> so I think you all need what we're going to do here today. Can you put the, the title slide up, Brad, or not? The title, the, the this theme for today is forgiveness. Now, we're going to talk about forgiveness and forgiving today. And we covered uh, in, in Wednesday nights, and by the way, the Wednesday night teachings are, are really great. I mean, they're getting, we're, we had a great discussion last Wednesday night. went on for, for a while, and it, it's, you know, it's, it's good to see that. But we, we talked about anger you know, and uh, uh, forgiveness is a result of anger and, and those kind of things. And I think how many of you have had a teaching or heard a preaching on forgiveness before? You know, everybody, two hands up almost, right? Because we've, we've all heard it over and over and over and over again. Well, I think today we're going to touch on a, a couple new things. Um, the Bible's filled with verses dealing with it. Uh, Ephesians 4.31 Says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Uh, Proverbs 24, verse 17 says, Don't rejoice when your enemies fall, don't be happy when they stumble. Proverbs 24, 28, and 29 says, don't testify against your neighbors without cause. Don't lie about them and don't say, now I can pay them back for what they've done to me. I'll get even with them. Husbands and wives, now I've got you. You know, you, you remember that? You remember that, having that feeling? Your husband or your wife does something stupid, now I've got you. Bible says don't do that. Now I get this, it says don't be like that. Now, Webster's definition of forgiveness, and and they they give a couple of them here. The first one is to cease to feel resentment against an offender. The second one is to give up resentment of or claim to something being given in return as compensation or retaliation. And the third is to grant relief from payment of something. Now, as Christians, I think we kind of stick to the first two, right? It's not to feel resentment or to give up the claim that we're do something because somebody hurt us, right? How many of you have been hurt in a relationship in your life? You don't have to put your hands up. I, I, I'd say almost everybody, right? We all get hurt. Life's about relationships. Relationships are about sometimes you're hurt. Even when, even when you love somebody very much, like in a, in a spousal relationship, you know, you can hurt your spouse. Without, without even thinking about it, without even meaning to do that. And I, I think the best way to go through this is to look at a few examples of forgiveness. Who knows who Jacob and Esau was or were, okay? You remember the story? What did Jacob do to Esau? Stole his birthright. Stole his birthright. Would that tick you off? I mean, that's not a big deal today because we don't, we, don't, uh, we don't worry about wills and all those kind of things until a person passes away, right? In, in those days, the, the, the whole birthright thing was very important, uh, especially in the Jewish culture and in families, and in a lot of parts of the world, it still is very important. But that birthright is probably the most important thing that a person can have. And, and Jacob stole that from Esau. And, and I know we, we make Jacob out to be a hero in the Bible. He's, he's, one, of the, he's one of the, you know, God's men. But, but, he, but he was a stinker too, right? He, he, he did a lot of things that he, that he shouldn't have done. And what did Jacob's mother do? What did Jacob's mother tell him to do? Well, after, after all that, after the thing with the, the hair on the arm and all that, when, when, when Esau found out and Esau was really enraged, what did Jacob's mom tell him to do? Run away, right? Run away. Take off. Because I don't want to lose my son. So what did Jacob do? He ran away. Now, if you go through the story of Jacob and you look at all the things that happened to him after, after he left, you come to Genesis 33, verse 4. And it says, Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. What is that? It's forgiveness, right? Now, we all know what, I mean, there was a lot that led up to that, right? Jacob did a lot of things to impress Esau as, as his tribe, I guess you could say, came, came to Esau. And, but but the, the sum total of that was that Esau forgave Jacob. And they embraced and, you know, they, they, they made up. As, as we say today, they made up. Now, go to Genesis 45, verses 5 to 15. I'll read the whole thing to you because it's, I don't know where to break the story to make it, make it make any more sense. It says, this is Joseph forgiving his brothers. You all remember that story, right? You know, they threw him in the pit. He was sold into slavery and, and, God, and God kind of brought him out of that in, in some miraculous ways. Genesis 45, 5 to 15 says, but don't be upset, don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. This is is Joseph speaking. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last for five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you, And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God made me master over all the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you, your household, and all your animals will starve. Then Joseph added, look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I really am Joseph. Go tell my father of my honored position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything that you have seen, and then bring my father here quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them, and after that, they began talking freely with him. Now, if, if you know that story, you know that when, when Joseph's brothers realized who he was, they were pretty scared. I mean, you, they tried to kill him basically, right? They were going to kill him and then, and then they decided to throw him in a pit and then they decided to sell him to the, to the uh, caravan that was going through. So, I'm not sure if I could be like Joseph in a situation like that, could you? I mean, you've got all these brothers and they, uh, they tried to kill you and then they sold you off into slavery and then they went their way. You were abandoned, right? Uh, and you probably didn't have very much respect for your, fa- your family anymore. You might have loved your father because, you know, he didn't do that to you. But look at this. It says, then Joseph k- kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. So th- it was a family again, right? The final example of forgiving is Jesus forgiving his enemies. In Luke 23, 34, it says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And again, there's something that I think is very difficult to do because imagine the pain that he was in and the suffering that he was going through. Even though this is what he came for, he was still human. And, and he still felt that pain and suffering. Now, the Bible gives us some very simple examples of forgiving. And they're, they're very human examples, right? Jesus on the cross, Joseph forgiving his, uh, his brothers. And what, where, where we have a problem with this is what happens when it's you what happens when somebody does that to you and we go to Ephesians 4 31 and 32 and, and the Bible says get rid of all bitterness rage anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior instead be kind to each other tender hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you now that, that's an easy verse to hear it makes sense Right, it, it it tells you, it gives us tells us what to do. It's a very hard verse to follow, isn't it? I think it is. First uh, Peter uh, chapter three verses nine to twelve say, "Don't repay evil for evil." In other words, when your when your big brother or your little sister punches you in the gut, um, don't punch him back. I, I have not followed that in my life, people. I don't know if you have or not. I, have, I had two older sisters. They picked on me. They were bigger than me. Tried to beat them up, but they always ganged up on me. It was two against one. So that, That's a tough one. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Mm, there's a tough one. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. I'm sorry, my my voice is starting to go because I was singing real loud yesterday. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Remember that, because later on we're going to kind of hit that again. Now, it sounds like human nature isn't very forgiving, right? We're We're all told, society tells us how great and kind and wonderful people are, you know, well i I think most of you know that yeah there are great and kind and wonderful people in this world but but there are also a lot of people that are just evil is the only word to to say here scripture is telling us is addressing this whole this whole concept by telling us what not to do right don't repay evil for evil it's also kind of asserting here that unforgiveness may be evil that's what i'm getting out of it so what's our first instinct when we're wrong when we're wronged when somebody hurts us what's our first instinct yeah yeah guy cuts you off on the freeway pastor jeff what's your first instinct yeah me too we're a lot of in that i don't like the two trucks ahead of me either um what if it's something serious you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I can forgive my sister punching me in the gut. Um, what if it's something serious? What if it's murder? What if it's divorce? What if it's something else? Theft, murder, divorce, all those kind of things, you know, against us. Then it gets a little bit more complicated. Now, I want to give you an example of not being able to forgive, okay? There was once a man who was considered a prophet of the Lord, he knew God. He, lived, he spoke with God. He lived under the laws of Moses. He followed very closely the religious traditions of his day. He was well respected by other godly people, but he didn't understand forgiveness. He refused to offer forgiveness to a certain people, group of people. Anybody know who I'm talking about yet? Who lived in Nineveh. His name was uh, Jonah. So here you have Jonah, who who was a a prophet of God. Now, can you imagine? I'm walking with God. I'm talking with God. God is telling me what to say. I can't forgive those people over there. So I don't want to read the whole story, but I want to look at one part of it. In Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 to 11, it says, then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. He wanted to see that fire and brimstone coming down, man. He, he, he was ready for that. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there and soon it spread its broad leaves over Joseph's head and sh- shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm the next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah reported, even angry enough to die. Now, I can't imagine being angry enough to die because the plant died, but Okay. <laughs> There may be some of you here that like plants that much. Um, Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Kind of neat that God's worried about the animals in there too. Uh, Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Now, we all know how that story how that story ends you know Nineveh repented in in what sackcloth and ashes I think the king repented now you know it it went later on it went back to the way it was but at that point in time it repented but there's a couple of these kind of interesting life lessons to learn from this many of us are like Jonah right we walk with God we pray a lot we pray for healing we pray for that and you know and in some cases our pastors tell us "Well, will pray for so and so and we say well you know pastor i prayed for them but the rock never fell on them <laughs> and and that's just the way we are um, we'd rather see a whole city destroyed than deal with that forgiveness we would rather have judgment come upon those who hurt us than to ever offer forgiveness now now i'm i'm old-fashioned here i'm a, i'm gonna I'm going to deviate from this a little bit and I'm going to say, you know, guys, I think that's more us than the women because I think women in, in, in most portion are more forgiving than men. We tend to hold grudges a lot longer. Now, I could be wrong in that. Ladies, if I'm wrong, please don't beat me up or anything. Um, but we need to be honest with ourselves. There are people in each of our lives that have knowingly hurt us. Not an accident. They meant to do it. And we have never forgotten what they did or forgiven them for it. And we can become very angry with certain people from our past. You know, I, I, many of us has families where so-and-so and so-and-so had a fight and 20 years ago. And at family gatherings, if they show up, they still don't talk to each other. Um, none of us can understand now all the pain that these people may have, may have caused because... People that you love can hurt you deeply and we hide that secret deep in our hearts right we bury that down there and and uh, you know coming out of 12 step step groups one of the things that they used to say is you're only as sick as your deepest darkest secret that's how sick you are well if you've got unforgiveness in your heart that's a pretty deep dark secret and you know and 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 we're right no one can understand our pain, but who sees, who sees that? Who sees what's in our hearts? Who understands our pain? God, right? Okay, and, and, to, and to smash it away in your heart, you know, thinking that you've got it tucked away. First of all, how many of you know what, what it means when I say it comes out sideways? I've, I've got all this unforgiveness in my heart, and my poor innocent wife comes up to me and says something. And I just let her have it because that particular day, I'm really ticked off at so-and-so, my brother or my sister, because of what they did to me 20 years ago. My wife makes a perfectly innocent comment and I burn her right to the ground. And have you done that? I've done it. So, you know, God sees all that. Now, you think that's God's plan for a Christian life? (laughs) I don't believe it is. And then, you know, here we are thinking about all this, right? And then we, and then we hit this scripture. And, and I'm going to read this from the New King James because unfortunately there's some modern translations that leave out the last part of this. And I think the last part is important. It's Mark 11, 25, and 26. It says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespass. Now, trespasses, multiple But then verse 26 goes on and says, But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Whoa, back it up. What does that mean? If I don't forgive, God can't forgive who? Me. If God can't forgive me, where am I going? Not to heaven. That's kind of scary. If I don't forgive, God can't forgive me. I spent years missing that verse 26 after I was saved. And, and once I saw it, because when I got saved, everybody was reading the New King James. You know, the NIV was kind of new. And now, now the NIV's, you know, that, that's come out. And, and I, I remember reading this and I, I came across it again later on. And I suddenly realized, wow. And I went to my pastor at that time and I talked to him and he said, yeah, it's absolutely right. I said, well, if it's absolutely right that I'm not going to heaven. What about everybody else? So, you know, that, 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 that shocked me. So basically, Jesus is saying, if you can't forgive, your sins won't be forgiven. If your sins can't be forgiven, that's a big problem. So I think we need to look at how we forgive. Wow, this is going to be the first Sunday when I actually may run out of time, Pastor Jeff. Um, so let's look at how we forgive. It, is it a choice or emotion? Choice, choice right? And it, it's a decision of our will. What motivates it? Okay, I'm, I'm kind of thinking Mark 11:26 motivates me, you know. God motivates it, right? Look at Colossians 3, verse 13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. Hallelujah. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you and you must forgive others. Now, that's kind of a kinder, gentler way of saying verse 26 there. So what if we don't feel like it? Sometimes it's nice to kind of wallow in that, right? You know, so-and-so hurt me and I'm just going to. Get in there and I'm going to like that. It's victimhood. And society today really holds victimhood pretty high, doesn't it? Um, it almost feels good to be angry at someone. And if we can convince ourselves it's righteous anger, we have a ready-made excuse provided by who? Our adversary, right? The devil. The problem is that the lack of forgiveness, is, it's like a tumor growing in you. It can make you physically sick and mentally ill. Look at what happened to Jonah. You know, when you think about it, the prophets aren't quite supposed to be that way. But uh, and, and I kind of I like in the worm, you know, I think, I think the worm was a little bit more than just the worm that ate the plant. I think God was saying, you know, you got something in you that's eating at you. And when you forgive somebody, it's like having that tumor just disappear or that illness disappear. So if we, don't do it, if we don't like it, we do it by faith. Since forgiveness is often against our nature, we have to forgive by faith. What's faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, I don't want to forgive this person, but God says I have to, so I'm going to work on that. God, help me work on that. Help me to forgive so-and-so, Okay. I hope I can forgive. The evidence is unseen at this point. So we make that decision by faith. Well, what happens with any decision that we make by faith? What does God do? He honors that decision, right? And gradually he changes our heart. And if we continue to do our job and forgive by faith, God does his job and completes his, the change of heart in us. Pastor's prayer this morning for my wife, you know, complete the good work that you started in her okay that that's that same prayer can apply to every one of us Philippians 1 6 says and I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns it's kind of like sanctification it's not done until the last nail goes in the coffin right now here's the second part five minutes we're good um What if the person you want to forgive is a non-believer? Okay, there's that self-righteous justification. Well, they don't believe in Jesus. Why should I forgive them? Matthew 5, 43, 48. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. I do not like this scripture. I'm sorry. I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives us sunlight, He gives his sunlight to both evil and good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. The secret to all this, what this scripture is telling us, is prayer, right? We have to pray that god will change our hearts we have to make that decision to forgive that's our job our job is to make the decision remember as everyone else is so fond of saying god is a gentleman he is not going to force you to make that decision now yeah he may cause the plant to die and the sun to come out and the east wind to blow and and all that kind of stuff until you make that decision but but you have to make the decision and when we do that and our heart starts to change we see that person differently don't we and and i'm here to tell you from personal experience when you start seeing somebody with god's eyes it is very very difficult if not impossible to stay angry with them i don't think you can do it if you truly look at somebody with, with the eyes that god sees them in i don't because he sees them as what perfect right that's god's hope for each and every one of us so the last part of this in the last 2 minutes is how do we know if we have forgiven somebody? Well, it's a process. It seldom happens instantly. It's just like, you know, a, a lot of the the sins that God brings up to us that we want to get rid of. It's, it's it's some some of them some of them happen boom just like that. Some of them it's a process. He takes you through the process to do it, but you you still have to make the decision. I want this out of my life. The same with unforgiveness. So I think that the best way to look at this is who suffers when we don't forgive somebody? We do. Not the person that we don't forgive. They don't care. You know, they might care, but they, they may have even forgotten about it. It may be such a small offense. To us, it was big. Um, so, Scripture points that out. We're the ones that, that get hurt. And think about how you feel with that unforgiveness. I mean, I, I, I know I've, I've gotten awake in the morning when I don't, when I haven't forgiven somebody and I don't feel good because it's, it's, it's eaten away in there. It's, it's churning at you. So the release from that feeling is freedom, right? Jesus was saying, keep on forgiving until you experience the freedom of forgiveness. Forgiveness may require a lifetime of forgiving, but it's important to who? God, right? It's important to the Lord. And we have to continue forgiving until the matter has been settled in our heart and that's that's a it's not easy folks i'm I'm, i've gone through it myself with several people and there's still some others i have to go through it with and i'm sure all of you are facing the same thing but but there is the the pattern is in the scripture if we read our our bible we see the pattern there tells us what to do tells us what not to do it also tells us some scary stuff that we don't want to have happen to us so, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think that's a good, a good example of why we should do the things that the Bible tells us because if you don't, in some cases, God can't forgive you. And I don't ever want that to happen to me. So if I've wronged any of you here, <laughs> uh, please forgive me. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Your, your word is, is such a wonderful place to be, Lord. It, it's, every time we read it, Lord, something else comes out. And we thank you so much for that. We thank you that, it, that you've made it not only a mystery to us that we need to solve, but, but that you enlighten us so many times when we read the same thing over two, three, four times, and then all of a sudden the light comes on. Lord, we thank you for that. Most of all, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord, without which none of us would be here. We thank you for your, for your sacrifice on the cross that you made for us, Lord, for all of us. And we appreciate that. Lord, I pray that as we leave today that, that everybody goes home with a new attitude towards forgiveness. I pray that you be with us this week. Keep us safe, Lord. Give us opportunities to minister for you. And give us opportunities to learn how to, how to be that fighter, Lord, that just keeps coming back no matter what happens. And Lord, we just uh, we just lift you up this morning, and we pray in Jesus' name, Amen.